Pugh. It's a seat. Uh, in fact, we're going to sing, but before we do, we're going to pray together. So it's a little unusual, but why don't we just stand and we'll open in a word of prayer to our Heavenly Father. This prayer is from Psalm 95, and we just acknowledge God. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge you. You are the ones whose hands are in the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills and mountains are yours. The sea is yours because you made it, and your your hands formed the dry land. Amen. Just a lovely reminder that our God is all and is in all. Uh, And we're going to continue that thought by singing, This is the day, because he is the maker of all things.
great gift in Jesus and over the next four weeks as we lead up to and celebrate Christmas we're going to be looking at Jesus's presence with us and uh, this new song reminds us that um, Jesus's divine presence is with us and so I hope that as we um, approach Christmas it will help us um, take some time to reflect and to behold Jesus and the wonder and the um, great blessing it is for Jesus to be with us. Lucy's going to sing through verse 1 and the chorus and then we'll go back to verse 1 and uh, sing it again together. Behold Him. 
reading is Exodus chapter 33 verses 18 to 20. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And the second reading is that um, first chapter of John, the first 18 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who himself is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Thanks, Suz, and good morning, everyone. Um, as Craig said before, there's a Q&A time afterwards. He, he probably overstated how keen I was for really, really difficult questions, but by all means, if there's, if there's something that um, will be helpful to clarify or hear more about from, from the talk, then store those up and there'll be a, a chance to, to ask those a little bit later. Uh, I remember a few years ago catching up with a, a good friend of mine who grew up in a, a very religious family, but, but walked away from religion while he was at uni. Uh, and we were sitting in a cafe, we were having a coffee, uh, we were chatting about life, and, and the topic of church came up somehow, and, and I asked him what he thought about God, where, whether or not he believed in God. Uh, I knew that he wasn't religious, but I wasn't sure exactly what he thought about God. And he said to me, I just don't think there's any way that anyone could know for sure whether or not God exists. And purely at face value, I reckon he's got a pretty good point. Um, maybe you've felt that way um, when you've, as you've watched the stars at nighttime, stars that we know are billions and billions of miles away, and, and you've wondered how we could possibly ever hope to understand the God who made it all, um, if he even exists. Uh, it seems about as likely as Harry Potter discovering things about J.K. Rowling, the author. Um, we could only ever know God if he revealed himself to us. Uh, now, I can't remember how I answered my friend that day, I'd love to think that I came up with something really brilliant and insightful and, and wowed him with it. I, I probably didn't like to think that. Um, but the message of those first few verses of John's gospel that, that Suds just read to us is that God has chosen to make himself known to us. Uh, we're kicking off a new sermon series today, as, as Craig said earlier. We're, we've called it Christmas Presents. Uh, so as we approach Christmas, as we, we do our Christmas shopping, as we think about what presents we want, um, we're going to be thinking about how the greatest gift ever given was and is Jesus' presence 
with us. Uh, we're going to see over the next few weeks how in Jesus we have the gift of freedom. We've got the gift of life to the full. We've got the gift of light. And this morning we're going to be seeing how Jesus has made God known to us. Uh, Jesus came down to earth as God. He came to make God known and he came to be received. And those are the three points that we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, Jesus came as God, he came to make God known, and he came to be received. Uh, So firstly, Jesus came as God. Now we're reading this morning from John's Gospel. It's one of four Gospel accounts that we have in the Bible, which which are basically biographies of Jesus' lifetime. Uh, So a couple of other of those Gospels, Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, um, if we read them, we see that they they really focus in on the events of that first Christmas. The the angels, the shepherds, uh, the baby in the manger, all that kind of thing. Um, But but what John does is he he zooms out a bit and he wants to to show us the significance of what happened on that first Christmas. He he takes us back, not to the birth of Jesus, but, but way, way earlier. He takes us right back to the beginning. He tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And if, and if those words sound kind of a bit familiar, it's because they're, they're quite similar to the words that we read right at the very start of the Bible, where we read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, The difference in the start of John's gospel is that we have this word as well as God. Now, it's a bit of a loaded term. So if you were were reading this book at the time that John wrote it, um, the word would have meant something quite significant both to to Jewish people who were were reading it, but also to to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people. Um, So for a Jewish person to, to hear about the word, that would immediately make them think of God's word, um, the way that God expresses himself and, and reveals himself. Uh, so as, as we read through the Old Testament, we read that God works through his word to create things, to reveal himself, and to save people. Uh, for a Gentile person, so for someone who's not Jewish, hearing about the word would have, it's, um, it would have made them think of Greek philosophy at that time. There, there was a, um, a term in Greek philosophy with the, the same words, that we have for word, um, that was used to describe kind of like the, the unknown power that lies, at, um, that, that lies at the heart of everything and, and provides order to the universe. So basically, in a nutshell, John wants everyone to see that, that this word is a big deal. Uh, the word has always existed in relationship with God, John tells us. Uh, but more than that, he says, the word is God. He has full divine authority and power. He was involved in the, the creation of the whole universe. Uh, so we see that there's, there's both a unity, but also a distinction between this word and God. Uh, so if that's not enough to confuse you or get, get your head wrapped around, it, it gets even more personal because we read a few verses later that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So the Word is God, and yet the Word became human as well. And finally, in verse 17, we're told who this Word is. We're told that it is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, 
this is an amazing claim. It's a unique claim, and it's an important claim. It's an amazing claim because it, it's simply beyond us to imagine how the God who created the whole universe could dwell with us in human form. I'd love to have a, just a nice, neat little explanation that I, that I throw at you here and you go away thinking, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, but I don't. Quite simply, God's ways are, are just beyond our full understanding. It, it, it's an amazing claim. And it's a unique claim as well. That there's no other God in any other religion where, where the God dwells among his people in this way. And it's an important claim as well, because it lies right at the heart of the Christian faith. It shows us God's desire to, to be with us, to relate to us, and to be known by us. So Jesus came to make God known, and that, that brings us to our second point that, sorry, it brings us to our second point, that Jesus came to make God known. Uh, we read that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, John is writing these things down as an eyewitness. So John was one of Jesus' disciples, as, as Craig said earlier. He, he talked and lived and ate with Jesus. He personally saw the glory of God revealed in the person of Jesus. Uh, we heard in our Old Testament reading just, just earlier as well from the book of Exodus that, that God's glory is a big deal. It's, it's too much for us in, in its pure form. God, God had to hide Moses' face from seeing his glory in full. And yet, in the person of Jesus, God has revealed his glory in a way that we can see, in a way that we can grasp. We get to gaze on what Moses could only get the slightest glimpse of. Uh, verse 18, we read that no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So Jesus the Son has made God the Father known. As we meet Jesus and as we read about Jesus in John's Gospel, we're, we're meeting God. We're beholding the glory of God. And this isn't just some sort of personal conspiracy theory that John has about who, who Jesus is. Jesus himself says this. Numerous times. Um, just for example, a little bit later in, in John's gospel, he, he tells his disciples that, that if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Uh, so to know Jesus is to know God the Father. Um, I can't personally, in, in my own sort of cleverness, make someone else known to you. So if um, Craig's service leading for us this morning, if, if I was to go off to some distant land where no one had ever heard of Craig, I, I wouldn't be able to make Craig known to anyone there. Like I, could, I could describe to you what a, what, a, what a well-dressed, articulate service leader he is, what a, what a great family man he is, um, all these great things about him. Um, but it's only when you actually meet Craig that you, that you truly know him in that sense. And because Jesus is God, he is truly able to make God known to us. Uh, which, is, which is why John writes this gospel account. Um, if, we, if we fast forward right to the end of, of John's gospel, uh, the second to last chapter, he, he tells us right at the end that Jesus performed lots of other signs and said lots of other things that, that I haven't written in this gospel, 
But these things that I've written are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, which, which means God's chosen king, and he's the son of God. So John is writing all these things so that we can pick up his gospel 2,000 years later. We can, we can read it and we can have complete confidence that Jesus is who John claims who he is. Uh, so when we, when we read through John's gospel and we read of Jesus' miraculous signs, his wise teaching, his compassionate love, his deep insight into the human heart, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, we're seeing God's power, God's wisdom, God's love. We're seeing it in human form. This is no ordinary person who we're reading about. This is the word of God become flesh to make God known to us. But Jesus, he didn't just come to make God known. He came to be received. And so the ball is very much in our court. The Bible's message about who Jesus is demands a response from all people. And there was quite a mixed response to Jesus uh, during his own time here on earth. We, we read in, in John chapter 1 that he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This is, this is shocking when we think about it. The, the one who created the world and all its people entered into the world. He, he came as a light into a world darkened by sin, but his own people didn't recognize him. Now, as we read through John's gospel, it, it becomes clear that, that when it says his own people, it's referring particularly to, to the Jewish people, to, to the people who were expecting God's king to come, and and yet who rejected Jesus when he did come. But when John talks about the world not recognizing Jesus, he's he's talking about everyone. Uh, You've probably heard of a guy called Charlie Chaplin. He was an an actor about 100 years or so ago. Um, There's an old legend. It's it's probably not true, but it's a good story, so I'll I'll share it. Um, An old legend that he once entered into a, a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest. Uh, just, just for a laugh, probably. Entered a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest and finished third. <laughs> or, or 20th or 27th. It depends which version of the story on the internet you believe. Third sounds more realistic. Let's go with that. Um, look, hats off to the guys who came first and second. They must have, they must have really prepared well. But, but how does the man whose very existence inspired that contest, not get recognized when he arrives at it. And how much more shocking is it that that so many people don't recognize Jesus, don't receive Jesus when he enters into his own creation? And yet some people did recognize him. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So believing in Jesus, receiving him, it gives us the right to a new identity. God's children. And that happens only because of grace. 
we read that out, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So in other words, there, there was grace that we already had, but it's been replaced by an even better grace. Uh, the Old Testament law, which God gave to, to Israel through Moses, so the, the Ten Commandments plus a, a whole lot of other laws as well, um, that was given to them by grace, by which I mean that it, that it was completely undeserved. Israel had done nothing to deserve the relationship that they had with God. God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt before he gave them the law to obey. He declared them to, to be his people. Uh, he'd promised them land. Uh, we see that God has always been gracious in how he's dealt with his people. But fast forward and, and we see that in Jesus, we, we have a far better grace from God than, than even what the Israelites had with the law. Uh, we, we'll tap into this a bit more next week, but, but we see that Jesus has freed us from our slavery to sin by dying for us. Uh, so if we, and if we trust in him, we're, we're not just God's people, we're God's children, we're his, we're his dearly beloved children. And it's something even better than, than physical land that God has promised us. It's eternal life with him in heaven, which has been secured by Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And we, we don't earn all these things by, by obeying all the rules and being good enough for God and, and earning them from him. They're given to us by grace when we receive Jesus. Uh, John, again, at the end of John's gospel, John, John tells us, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So when we believe that Jesus is, Jesus is God's son, uh, God's chosen king, the word become flesh, the one who makes God known to us, when we believe these things, when we believe that he died to take our sin on himself and make us right with God, when we believe that he was raised back to life, and when we decide that we want to live in response to, to who he is and what he's done for us, then we can be certain that we have life in his name. That our sins are forgiven. That there's, there's nothing that God is going to punish us for. That our physical death isn't going to be the end of the story for us. It's just going to be the beginning of the story. What greater gift could we have at Christmas time than the gift of knowing God? Knowing God's love, his mercy, his beauty and his goodness in full. And in Jesus, that's exactly what we've been given. Uh, now, you might be here this morning just, just checking church out, not, not sure quite yet what you make of Jesus or, or church or, or Christianity. Um, can I urge you not to make the mistake of not recognizing Jesus? Don't make that mistake. Uh, I was meeting a friend in a cafe couple of years ago, diff different friend, different cafe to what I mentioned before. Um, we, we left the cafe and we were just, just walking out and, and my friend said to me, oh, did you see um, Rashid Khan was sitting right next to us in the cafe? Now, a lot of you have probably never heard of Rashid Khan. He's a, he's a famous cricketer, uh, plays for my favorite team. He's pro probably my favorite player on my favorite team. 
And I was sitting next to him in a cafe for an hour, and I didn't even recognize that he was there. Now, I'm sure someone's got a better story than that. Someone's probably sat next to Tom Cruise on a bus for six hours and not recognized him, but that's the best I've got. Go with that. I guess what I'm trying to say here is don't be like me. I don't normally say that in a, in a sermon, but don't be like me. Don't let that happen with you and Jesus. Don't find out too late that, that Jesus came to, to make God known and to be received and to bring true life. Get to know him now. Now, I'm not telling you to, to leave your brain at the door and, and blindly follow Jesus, but, but I'd encourage you to, to join us over these next three weeks as we keep looking at John's gospel and keep looking at what an awesome gift Jesus is. I'd also encourage you to, to pick up a Bible and read one of those four gospel accounts of Jesus' life. Um, John or maybe Matthew or Mark or Luke. Have a read for yourself. See what you think about Jesus. See if he surprises you. See if he challenges you. See if he intrigues you. And see if you agree with what, God, what, sorry, what John says about him. Because John is saying to us, I've written this so that you believe. So why not take up his challenge? Have a read. Uh, maybe it's something you'd prefer to, to do on your own. Maybe it's something you'd like to do one-on-one with someone, catching up with someone you know and reading, reading through it. Uh, we've also got an event starting in a couple of months' time in, in February. Uh, it's called Christianity Explored. Now, this is for anyone who, who wants to, to get your head around who Jesus is and, and what it means to follow him. Uh, you might be checking Christianity out. You might be wanting to, to get a better grounding in it and, and have a lot of questions that you want to ask. Uh, we basically spend seven weeks just going through Mark's gospel, start to finish, tracing Jesus' life and, and answering all of the questions that come up. Uh, you can have a chat to me if you're interested in that or, or jump onto our website events page and find out there. We'd love to, to have you along. Uh, if you're someone, though, who does believe that Jesus is the Son of God, um, you're probably aware that it can be really overwhelming trying to, to share your faith in Jesus with, with other people. Um, if you're anything like me, there's, there's this fear at the back of your mind that, that someone's going to ask a difficult question that, you, that you're not going to have the answer for. Or they're going to think that believing in the Bible makes you stupid. Or that holding to the Bible's teaching makes you immoral. Now, these are real concerns. I don't, I don't want to trivialize them. I, I feel them as well. Um, but the problem with focusing on them is that it makes things too much about me. It makes things too much about me. How much I know. What sort of person I am. What people think about me. The thing is, people don't ultimately need me. They don't need you either. They need Jesus. Uh, my friend who was in the coffee shop that day with me, he, he needed Jesus, and he still does. So when the conversation gets, gets into that ballpark, I'd really encourage you, make it your goal to give people Jesus. To tell them, look, I don't have all the answers. There are things I don't know, things I'm still working out. But, but it all comes down to what you think about Jesus, who you think Jesus is. If Jesus is who he says he is, then it changes everything. And, and here's who I think Jesus is. That would be a great, a great goal to have in those conversations. Um, the person who you're talking to probably will, will have all sorts of doubts and objections 
to Christianity, uh, to the church, to the Bible, that lots of, lots of barriers. But what matters is that they see the beauty and the glory that, of God that's revealed to us in Jesus. They, that they see that Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. God the Son, who died and rose again to bring us to God if we believe in his name. So make that your ambition this Christmas, next year and beyond, wherever the opportunity comes up, to give people Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we thank and praise you that you have made yourself known to us through Jesus, your Son, our King, the Word become flesh. And as we gaze on our King in all his goodness, all his wisdom, all his beauty, we pray that you would help us to take in your glory. And we pray that more and more people would recognize Jesus, receive him, and have life in his name. Amen.